The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Are You Afraid Scream Queens, the unofficial Scream Queens internet radio show exclusively on Papi Chulo Radio. Today is Sunday, November 15th, 2015, and I'm your host, Papi Chulo. During tonight's broadcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of Scream Queens. Later on in the broadcast, get ready for a spoiler alert as we bring you the hit Fox series' casting scoops, spoilers, and rating so please welcome my fantastic co-host first up she spent a year abroad and had an affair with a beautiful eurasian man who taught her everything he knew about fighting in return for her teaching him everything she knew about making love it's priscilla it's blood sport i call it yeah (laughs) that was fantastic Next up, he's a believer in those who pill together, kill together. It's Prince Rico Suave. What's poppin', what's poppin', what's poppin'? Pill. Oh, man. (laughs) And next up, he's a big fan of the Night of 1000 Compliments. It's Wilson Dot Hammond Jr. I love your hair. Thank you. (laughs) Another one. Um, That's not a compliment. Great. Well, that, that is a compliment, so plus one for Wilson. So let's wow. jump into our recap of episode 108, which was titled Mommy Dearest, and it aired on November 10th, 2015. So here's the official synopsis of the episode. Dean Munch reneges on her quid pro quo deal with Grace and refuses to tell her anything about the bathtub baby for fear of incriminating herself in the 1995 crimes because of the statute of limitations will never expire. Returning home, Dean Munch is then attacked in her shower by the two Red Devils and an unknown third perpetrator in a Judge Antonin Scalia mask, but she evades their attacks. Fearing for her life, Munch reluctantly tells Grace that Sophie Doyle was the girl who died in the bathtub after giving birth back in 1995, but Grace is still convinced that she is the bathtub baby. Grace then goes to Pete to try and figure out who Sophie Doyle is, returning to the mental asylum to try and find out more information, discovering in the process that Gigi was indeed taking care of not one, but two young children, fraternal twins, a boy and a girl. 
at the asylum 20 years ago. The Red Devil kills Jennifer and melts wax all over her corpse, prompting the immediate closure of the university indefinitely. Meanwhile, the minions employ Denise to prove that Zayday and Grace are the killers, and Chanel recruits two Scotland Yard detectives to look into the pair as well. After confronting both Gigi and Wes, who shrug off her accusations as nonsensical, Grace returns to the Kappa House, where Chanel tells her all about her mother, Mary Mulligan, a violent drug dealer who repeatedly drunk drove with Grace in the car. Wes was forced to sue to get Grace out of Mary's custody, and eventually he burnt down the family home to stop Grace from finding her. Grace confronts her father and warns him to stay away from her, claiming that she is her mother's daughter. As the episode ends, Boone is seen wearing a disguise in a local gym working out and speaking on the phone to an unknown person about Gigi's ridiculous Justice Scalia mask during the attempted murder on Dean Munch and stating that Gigi needs to be taken out so that their revenge can be fully accomplished. Good grief. So much happened and we're going to get real deep into it listeners but first up i want to get everyone's initial reaction to what the hell happened during mommy dearest and we're going to start off with our own little mommy priscilla oh my god dean munch was kicking ass and taking names and so for that matter was denise hemphill so like if it had a little bit more chat it would have been like the perfect episode but for now like i loved it it was good wilson what did you think of the episode Hmm. Um, yeah, we're starting to drag the murders out here. And like I said, the show is good. I like it. It's just got some good things perking up. But uh, it's starting to drag about halfway through the season, in my opinion. But there are some very good points that this episode added to the story. But we'll get to that later on. But I, I do think that. Uh, we're starting to drag. It seems like we're kind of dragging the plot out a little bit, kind of filler space to me. I don't know, but that's my initial reaction. Mr. Prince, what's your take on my dearest? I agree. It was definitely a filler, but it was definitely one of my favorites. I thought the humor was in it. Because, like, once I said, I love the humor in the show. There's so much comedy. There's so much, like, other depths to it than just the typical murder show. Like I watch Scream. I know what's gonna happen on Scream every episode. Someone's gonna die. It's gonna be like this dramatic ass death. This one, I know I'm gonna get a dramatic ass death, but there's like a little bit more like comedy depth to it. So it's like I got something to laugh to while I'm watching it. <laughs> so it was definitely one of my favorites. I enjoyed it. I need to buy the dictionary of Wilson and Prince to look up what filler means to both of you. Because if we were to call an episode a filler, I would have said last episode was definitely filler. You know, all the whole side plot with the Dean and Feather and, and that kind of thing. But I felt like this episode wasn't a filler because we had a death of one of the major recurring characters, even though she yeah. wasn't that important. You know, she was definitely a recurring character that has been in it from the beginning. And we also got a lot of backstory on some of the major mysteries. And we got hints on the killers and uh, what their agenda might be. And, of course, a major plot twist with the killers as well at the end. 
So, I don't know. I didn't think it was a filler episode, but, you know, we're all entitled to our opinions. Uh, I enjoyed the episode. I loved the um, homage to Psycho. I loved uh, the first opening fight scene that we actually discussed in a spoiler section earlier in the season was fantastic. First episode, we discussed it, so... Yeah, so that means it was recently shot. So so they shot that uh, about, uh, what was that, like maybe... A month and a half ago, six weeks ago, or something like that. Mm-hmm. No, well, th- no, this is episode eight, and so it's aired for seven weeks because we had the the double episode. Well, we actually we had a week off, so it, so it would be, I guess, eight weeks. Yeah, so it was two months ago. That's I, I told you though, like like they with Jamie Lee Curtis, like they filmed all of her scenes like really quickly and all at once. So it makes sense that we're barely seeing it now. Yeah, well, they also shoot stuff way in advance. I think they started they they started shooting this sometime in the early summer, so it, maybe it sort of makes sense that they, you know, they're probably doing an episode every seven to ten days, and the weekends, you know, or something. Jamie Lee comes in, so it, it sort of maybe adds up, kind of, and maybe, or maybe they just did shoot just a bunch of her stuff and that kind of thing. But regardless, that was a great uh, scene, Denise. Every single aspect of Denise this episode was amazing. <laughs> Three million dollars. It was just fantastic. Uh, you know, the the mozzarella sticks, they're delicious and nutritious. It's just fantastic. I love Denise. It was just, it was a great episode. I had a whole lot of fun watching it. And I'm looking forward to chatting about it with all of you. So let's get into it. And uh, we start off our recap with Grace in the Dean's office. Remember, they had their little tete-a-tete last week. If you um, prove Feather, whatever, whatever, and get me out of uh, the psycho house, I'll tell you everything. And then she basically is like, you know what? I don't want to incriminate myself, so I'm not telling you anything. Goodbye. And Grace basically tells her, yeah, well, once the Red Devil gets in your face, we'll see what you'll be saying after that. And basically, that's what ends up happening. We have the Dean at her house. She's uh, getting ready to shower. And, uh, you know, we we do almost a shot-for-shot remake of Psycho, if I remember correctly. You know, she gets in the shower. She's lathering up. Everything's all fine and dandy. And then we see the shadow in the shower curtain. The curtain opens. The ring, ring, ring. But no one's there, and the Dean gets out, she drops, you know, she hits him and falls on the ground. She's like, I've seen that movie 50 times! And uh, she starts kicking his ass, she goes to call 911, and of course, in this town, we have the most incompetent police and emergency services. They now have a new <laughs> automated system, so if you're used to the old one, you better take a listen. This, that, or the other. So she hangs up, and uh, she doesn't have time to deal with this. She hears the Red Devil approaching. She grabs a fire poker, and uh, she starts whacking the Red Devil. You know, she's opening the door. Another Red Devil comes in. She's whacking that one. And then um, we now we have two Red Devils basically on the floor. And then all of a sudden, another murderer carrying a hammer shows up. And it's Justice Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. And, uh, which is hilarious in, in and of itself. And so the justice starts attacking and uh, she's, you know, she basically at one point has all three of um, the, the, 
well, two Red Devils and a Supreme Court Justice surrounding her, which sounds hilarious in and of itself. And that's when she announces to them, you know, bring it on, because I know everything about fighting because of this Eurasian man that I had an affair with, and we traded uh, sex tips for fighting <laughs> skills, basically. And she proceeds to go into a full-out brawl with all of... Uh, these red devils plus the justice smacks him against the wall throws objects at him kicks him knocks him down does almost like a high kick on him and uh, of course justice won't go down without a fight so munch you know kicks the shit out of the justice and basically is like and this is for your thoughts on marriage equality and this is for your thoughts on this and the other and bam 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 and uh you know Everyone, the murderers, you know, get up and they decide to retreat and flee the scene. This opening scene was epic, fantastic, and worthy of Jamie Lee Curtis. And that uh, psycho callback to her mother, for those out there that don't know, Janet Lee is Jamie Lee Curtis's mother. And um, she's the actress that uh, played Marion Crane in the original Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho film. So it was great to see. It was so much fun. What did everyone think of Dean Munch kicking ass? Like I said, like oh. it was one of my favorite parts. And she's probably already, she probably has seen the movie 50 times considering like it's her mom. Or like, more. Yep. But, oh my God. And the fact that she like slammed Justice uh, Scalia's uh, face to the wall while talking about like the different like rulings he's done and opinions was hilarious yeah, to me. It feels was, like that, every. Yeah. It feels like every show is doing that, like, right now, considering, like, the primaries are happening, I think. So, like, yeah, social justice and all that crap. But it was, uh, I lived for this moment. Yeah, it was pretty awesome to see Jamie kicking butt. And uh, when it went black and white, I was like, yeah, I know exactly where this one was going. So that was pretty cool. And, you know, shout out to the original Scream Queen. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome to see Jamie doing her thing. Uh, my only thing about this scene is something I've said before. She had plenty of opportunity to at least mask one of these jokers. I mean, we already know, you know, we know, yeah, we'll get into that later, I guess. But he could, we could, we could have, she could have at least masked, unmasked somebody throughout this whole process while she was using her Eurasian uh, fighting karate. style. Yes. Whatever, yeah, fighting style that was, but uh, who knew she could, she still had it in her, you know. <laughs> I think one of the jokes has to be that none of them take the mask off. I think they have to be doing that on purpose. I think no. Oh, because yeah. they've oh, all man. had opportunities at this point. Yeah, there have been plenty of times. I, I think one of the jokes <laughs> is how incompetent these killers are at times at killing people. They seem to be pretty competent since they've killed a lot of people. Well, they can, but I mean, there are times where, for some reason, you know, Zayday or Chanel, or now the Dean, you know, have caught them off guard, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden, they take the killers down. Yeah, it's like, but again, it's based off, like, 80s and 90s, like, horror films. They all sucked. Like, the people that you watch saying, like, why don't you unmask the person, and the killer being stupid. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you gotta think of truth. it like Brenda from Scary Movie at the movie at the Scary Movie Theater. Ooh, oh. run! run. <laughs> shake a shake a spear and love is a scary movie now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shout out to Shake a spear and love. Um, yeah, no, this is I I love this opening scene. Like I said, I it gave me like all life. I was like, where this episode is within the first five minutes. I'm like, yo, this episode is going to be clutch if this is how it's going to start off. And it didn't fail me. It was a great episode. So I definitely enjoyed it. And I kind of, I'm like, damn, Jamie Lee. I love these fight scenes when they fight back with the Red Devils. Yeah, yeah they're really they like good. a steel so poker and kicked ass with it. For a long time, like, I was so- like, is she going to take one of their weapons? She handled herself without any weapons, too. Absolutely, but even with like they days fight, like like all these like fights are kind of epic. I'm like, wow, like at least you're not just going getting killed like half the other people. Yeah, <laughs> well, she has survived Michael Myers for several movies, and she was in True Lies, so she knows how to kick ass. I'll give Ariana Grande some little props. No number, what was that two? She did yeah. try to put up a fight, and her fight was kind of epic. I was like, all right, this is how these fights are gonna be. I can't wait to see how they progress. And I'm like, and they haven't failed me. I'm like, the fights just get epicer and epicer. I can't wait to see what like the final fight looks like. Oh my god! Final well, showdown. Or finish him. Yeah, right. exactly. Because you don't know. Like, you can't know. It's I don't know. For now, you can just make inferences, but f- like you're shocked all the time by like what goes on. It's I don't know. I love the show. Yeah. And uh, we're over halfway through the season. We only have four weeks left, so some of our major people are going to die. And, I mean, I'm I'm scared <laughs> for one of them in particular, because I feel like we're all going to share a tear for her. Ooh, which one? Denise. <gasps> no, bite your tongue. No. I know. I hope not. I'm trying. I hope. I hope that I'm not predicting something. So let's let's think happy thoughts and let's go back to the Kappa House, where we have two really great scenes. Uh, basically, having our Chanel's uh, put on their Nancy Drew hats and uh, giant. Uh, um, what do you call those? Um, Which ones? What do you call the 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 thing? The um, I can't even say it. You know the the, the thing that the, she the gave her. The detective hats. Yeah, the detective hats and the other thing. What's the other thing called? The oh, it's not called a binocular. It's it's. it's <laughs> no, I know. I was gonna say the looking glass, but that doesn't sound right. Oh, the spec. Oh, the uh. No, no. Oh gosh, we're all idiots. This oh, is what yeah. happens. Uh-huh. You mean magnifying glass? Yes. No, you don't say that after she said it, and then say say it like you knew it. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, well, that wasn't the case. Yeah, I, was that like, the, oh, I know what you were doing, Prince. Enlarger looker. No, I'm teasing all of y'all. So yeah, so it's almost like they put on, even though they really didn't, although it would have been amazing if they had put on their Nancy Drew hats and used the magnifying glasses and that kind of thing. But basically, we have two different plots on getting information about Zayday and Grace, making sure that they get proof that they're the killers. So first up, we have a meeting of the Chanel's, and uh, there are two report which what kind of evidence they have. And Hester says that she rummaged through Zayday's drawers and found out that not only are both Zayday and Grace on the pill, but their cycles are synced, just like their thirst 
for murder. So, of course, because we all know those who pill together kill together, right? No. Um, and Chanel number five says that she knows, in fact, that Zayde is the killer and plans on killing again because if you rearrange letters in her name, it spells out, I must slay Liz Day. Who the fuck is Liz Day? Who knows? But they have to go warn Liz Day because she's the next one that's going to die. Clearly, of course. So uh, Chanel number one gets pissed off. The clues are terrible, and you know they can't do anything right. So she's gonna have to pay somebody a lot of money to do it, and that's exactly what she plans on doing. So later on, we see Denise. She's making mozzarella sticks in the Kappa House deep fryer in the kitchen, the one that hasn't been cleaned out since um, what was her name, Miss Bean, got her face fried off. Her face turned into nachos. And so Chanel number three comes down and asks what she's doing. Basically, Denise announces that she has officially moved into the Kappa house. A flashback shows that she's basically telling Dean Munch that she doesn't want to sleep in her car anymore and take horse baths and all that kind of stuff. You know, <laughs> I can't believe you d- she called it a horse bath. You've never heard of that? No. That's an official thing. You should Google it. Urban Dictionary will hook you up. Because, yeah, that's an official thing. And, you know, she doesn't want to, like, keep on, keep on cleaning herself with, like, hand sanitizer and baby wipes and, wipes and stuff. And so since there's a room Chanel number 2 was in where she was murdered, uh, she's like, I'll take that room. I don't even care if there's a blood stain on the thing. So anyway, so number 3 informs Denise that that's where Miss Bean's face got fried off. And, um... And I loved how she was like, what are those? She's like, it's mozzarella sticks. They're delicious and nutritious. And um, Denise, you know, she doesn't seem to really care about it. But uh, Chanel number three basically wants to make an offer to Denise that she can't refuse. She wants to give Denise a ridiculous amount of money if she can prove that Zayde is the killer. And Denise is like, well, of course Zayde is the killer. And so she tells Denise to picture the largest number that she can in her head. And Denise says, a million dollars. <laughs> then Chanel number three says, but try again. And so then she says, $3 million. And so with $3 million, she can buy sandals. And she's like, what, the shoes? And she's like, no, the resort. Because she wants to own an island where sandals is. And she wants to work security there. But not full-time, part-time. Because part-time she'll be doing security. The other part-time she will be on the beach luxuriating. And basically asking one of her uh, employees to go get her a pineapple from the other side of the island and when the employee says okay she goes you know what that's okay i'll eat the pineapple that's right here so on we have denise on the scent for zayday and grace being the killer what do we think of these scenes and especially chanel's are definitely not nancy drew's and of course denise getting into the mix and uh moving into the kappa house i was surprised that she moved into the cab house but again like i like her dialogue with the dean like they seem to bounce off one another even though the dean really didn't say anything she just like with gestures and i did not know anything about a horse that before but i was just like laughing my ass off when she said that i was like what that's a thing okay it was funny <laughs> yeah denise is on uh something else and she, started, she really is, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, that was wild. So yeah, just seeing her pop up, man. Yeah, her and I, her interaction with Dean, that that like everyone, pretty much everyone on the show seems to have pretty good chemistry when they bounce off of each other. So that is something that works to you know the the, the writers' advantage. They can pretty much just write anything, and they'll be able to go in there and make it you know 
<laughs> it, it works. It, it, somehow the dialogue always seems to work, and the little interactions and little cutaways always seem to work. So uh, yeah, that was pretty interesting. But uh, yeah, I was I'm with Priscilla. I wasn't expecting the whole bad thing. I, I almost died there. It's like wow. I, you can't say that on, on TV, can you? But I guess you can. So you can when Ryan Murphy is writing it or something like that. Apparently, or producing it, I should say. Eiffel right. Towering, Horace Bath. No wonder this shit's like PG-14. Right. Yeah, they have that long-ass warning in the beginning. Um, I like this um, scene just because I like Denise. I think she's um, comical, and any scene that she's in, I kind of am entertained by. But um, I did see her kind of trying to get into the Kappa health just because I remember the scene back when she tried to be a Kappa girl herself. So I was like, you know. That epic kind of, scene. Oh, yes. I totally didn't compare it to that. You're right. So I kind of. She finally got in. Trying to, you know, weasel her way into the Kappa house one way or another. And she looks the same as this first time she tried to get in there. <laughs> Maybe and, a little bit better considering. Yeah, dressing a little bit better. Yeah. Um, you stole all her clothes. Well, yeah. Well, we haven't gotten there yet, but that's an epic scene that we'll be getting to. By the way, <laughs> I can't wait for that scene. Go the ahead. hell thinks that fried like cheese is nutritious. Denise Hamphill, she loves Arby's too. You know what I'm saying? That's true, but oh my god, I'm like del- nutritious, delicious. I'm like that shit's fried. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised she didn't say that she wanted to get an Arby's franchise. That that would have been a good callback. Yeah, that would have been a good callback. No, back. because she wants to be a security guard on her own island. Well, yeah, that is true. And she wants to eat pineapples from, not the ones over there, the ones next to her are fine. But not full-time. Only like three days a week. Exactly. Because the rest of the time she's going to be on the beach. Exactly. Getting them coconut. I mean, pineapples. And coconuts, maybe, too. <laughs> she's, getting, she's getting all types of stuff. Yep. She, she might get a little Chad while she's out there, too. There you go. And Winston, apparently. That's what she called her island employee. I think that's the name of the character from Stella who got her groove back, if I'm not mistaken. I, I've never yeah, I think it before. is. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. So she's getting her own groove back on the island. Sandals, the resort. So moving on with Grace and the Dean meeting... Once again, Grace and the Dean meet part two, Electric Boogaloo. And uh, basically, the Dean uh, starts giving her some information, you know, because she mentions she was personally attacked by the killers. And she's willing to give information to Grace, you know. And basically, the Dean tells Grace that she could hypothetically would be an accessory to homicide if she did in fact and a lot of hypotheticals and I'm not going to go into everything because she said hypothetical like 50 times but she did say that hypothetically hypothetical and all that kind of thing and she did say though um, that she has the name of the girl who died in the tub and uh, she provides the file to Grace, but Grace says that's not enough. She needs to know everything about what happened to the baby and the other girls out there. And uh, the Dean basically says that, you know, with cover-ups, only work if everyone has tiny bits of information. And she says it's up to Grace to piece it all together. And uh, the name of the bathtub baby's mother is Sophie Doyle. 
Mm-hmm. And she's confused because she's like, you know, that's not the name that my father gave me for my mom. Her name was Mulligan, according to her father and all this kind of thing. So the dean basically says that Grace acts like she's trying to be this hero, trying to solve murders, trying to bring justice and all that, you know, truth, kindness in the American way or whatever the hell that is. And she's like, you know, all you want to do is find out who your mother is and it's all about you, Grace. So Grace gets pissed. She says she wants to solve the murders, but she also wants to know if she's the reason that they're happening. And uh, the Dean basically lets her know that the less that we know about each other, it's the best. And rummaging through our own life is like digging through a landfill. And uh, Grace says that she might find something interesting, but it's going to get filth. But she's going to get filthy doing it. And she grabs her stuff, storms out of the Dean's office once again. Next, we meet our girl, Candle Lady, Jennifer. And uh, she's got bags and bags of candles that she's dumping out on her bed and she's basically saying she's gonna kill that dumb bitch and that's when denise swings by and she's like what the hell are you talking about and basically she says that over at candle junction the uh sales girl doesn't understand the concept of 22 for the price of 20 which isn't really that big of a de- great of a deal oh in my no opinion. the candle bloggers it's a huge deal oh really 22 for the price of 20 well y- I, I'm basing this off of what it's based off of, which is, like, the woman that, like, argued about a winter candle and how, like, she couldn't find it in, like, five cities. She finally found it in one, but the lady wasn't actually right, and they were, like, in a small size, and she bitched about it for, like, half an hour. It's it's a hilarious video. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and I've never like, seen that, so I'm going to have Yan- to look that up. Yeah, and Yankee candles aren't cheap. Yeah. Well, there you go. So that makes sense. And uh, so basically, you know, she's like, her life is ruined because of this. Because she only has 21 candles. And she, Denise changes the subject about Zayday. And she basically is like grilling Jennifer about Zayday. You know, do you think she would be the killer? And Jennifer's like, of course not. But then there was that one day, and we see a flashback, when Zayday basically told Jennifer's story about... Uh, Back in high school, there was a group of rich girls. They were called the Peacocks. And they told her to dress up in her nicest outfit so that she can sit with them for lunch. And then the whole time, they made fun of Zay's outfit for being too cheap. And Zayday was playing along. But she was obviously very hurt by that situation. And she vowed at that moment that she would get revenge on entitled rich girls everywhere. And... um, after she says that, then, you know, she's like, you know what? Zayde could totally be a serial killer. And then, bam, nope. Zayde walks Real out of the bathroom. Revenge. Yes. And, bam, Zayde walks out of the bathroom and uh, gets mad that Denise and Jennifer are making false assumptions about her. And uh, she's heard everything that she said. And she tells Jennifer that she might want to check the bathroom before she decides to start telling personal stories about her sweet mate. And she basically also tells Denise that she wishes she was a serial killer just so that she can kill her first. Kill your black ass. (laughs) And she warns Denise and Jennifer to stay away from her. So... Before we pause, we might as well get this out the way. We have our little candle girl. She's by her lonesome. She's filming her candle vlog. She's, uh, you know, talking about the holidays, candles, and all this kind of stuff. And she's talking about sturdy wicks. And all of a sudden, the Red Devil appears, opens the door, sneaks into her room. And she thinks that it's one of the other Kappa girls. And she's like, guys, I'm recording. Leave me alone. And, uh... Assuming that the person has left, she continues 
to vlog and she doesn't notice that the red devil is approaching her from behind and without warning the red devil stabs her in the head and her face collapses onto her laptop keyboard while the video is still recording dun 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 <laughs> rest in pieces candle vlogger creepy candle girl so let's get everyone's opinion on the episode thus far on everything that's happened from the Dean and Grace and everything Candle Girl. Um, Grace is a little bitch. Wow. Um, <laughs> let me just start off. Tell us that. how you really feel about Grace. Yeah, you know, hair flip. Grace is a bitch. Um, not feeling her. She's such a little whiny little bitch. She needs a little more like, like if you're going to be the hero, if you're going to be the survivor, like I'm going to need a little more from you. Like, you're just not cutting it. Um, I feel um, Dean Munch 100%. Um, Grace goes in there trying to be, like, the hero, but she's a selfish little bitch. I, I, I kind of... She's not Super Mario. She's Toadie. <laughs> yeah, she is so no. She's, like, the one that you, like, bounce on its little head, the little brown mushroom that you jump on the top of its head. She's a Goomba. She's just that not important. I will say, like, if you compare and contrast, like, she's like, no, I feel it's my mom. Like, I've always had this presumption that she's a good person. And then you realize, like, no, Grace, you're a dumbass. Mom wasn't a good person. She's the Chanel Oberlin of 1995. Like, pretty much. But Waterfalls is her jam. It's not even that. It's just like, yo, like, she pretty much is useless. If it wasn't for her trying so hard to be this baby, we wouldn't get the story. But other than that, like, everybody else keeps you more entertained anyways that you don't even really give a fuck if you know the story or not. Funny enough, (laughs) like, she doesn't even do the research Pete does. She just gives him the name and she's like, find out. Look, go, go yeah, she's just like that main character that they just kind of filled the spot with. I'm like, bitch, now that you're not the baby, you're not even important. You're like even less important than you were before. Yeah. She also wears stupid hats. I'm just going to point that and out. Now, yeah. And now she's like running around like, I got to be the baby. I have to be the baby. I'm she's a like, bowling ball on a stick, remember? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> as mean as Chanel number one is, she tells the truth. She really is like she has a huge head and like a teeny body. <laughs> she is yeah. a bully on the stick. All right, what's the next part besides that? Because I just kind of went in on her. Our homie uh, Candle Girl. Oh, Candle Girl. Mm, that was about. That was a long time coming. To be honest with you, no. she was kind of just. She was just kind of like a, um, a wallflower for the most part. That. Like, kind of chimed up every now and then she's not a wallflower she's a candle I'm she really that. is that's a really bad was... bath and body works joke i'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna <stop laughs> oh i but, get it now like i thought like it was corny though the whole like table candle set up like i was like really yeah i mean and they had to kill candle girl come on man there's they nobody else no, that's somebody, if you kill, kill candle you have to kill somebody and candle girl Candle Girls is like, she was like, yeah. And that's, I guess that was my complaint. Like, yeah, she was somebody to kill, but it was like. You want Candle Girl to be the final girl? No, I mean, they could have. They could you imagine if she would have been? Can you oh imagine God, if no. she was the killer? Like, she is was she... one of the twins? Damn. That would have been cool. I, I think I got my assumption on the twins. Oh. I will say that, like, 
if you notice, like, she falls on her computer and the computer makes a sound when you're pressing a button and you just... Yeah, that would have been better if they left her like that. So, like, someone walked by and heard the noise. Who's going to take care of her giant-ass ant farm now? Shit's creepy. And wear that ant hat. (laughs) I forgot she had one. Candle Girl was amazing. I will miss her. She had issues. Serious issues. She seemed like that girl that, like, you know, she might go and shoot at school. She's really intelligent, though, because Denise Hempel was was asking her whether, like, the other person was a serial killer. And she enumerated, like, some really good points as to, like, why she couldn't be, like, psycho and why she couldn't be the killer. Like, she, she was sharp. She knew what the hell was going on. It's sad because she might have been able to figure it out. Like, Grace and Pete suck. I think if anyone would have figured out who the killer was, it probably would have been her. She doesn't have enough friends for it to fucking matter. Well, Sam figured it out when she got killed. She figured one of them out. Remember, there's three. Oh, yeah. I knew it was you. I always knew. Oh, that's true. She might have seen... Okay. I have my own theories as to who it is. Yeah, I can't wait till we talk about that at the end, because I have my own theories as well. Wilson, did you miss Candle Girl? I know you love death, so like... And we know you have a crush on her. (laughs) Wow. You wanted to be her first. Wow. Her her first wick. Gross. To light her flame. (laughs) Oh my god. Internal flame of passion. Light her fire. That's so gross. Oh, Candle Girl. I, I just, like I said... She was like a half a point. Like, you needed another half a point for it to be complete. She wasn't like a... Like, yeah, she was somebody to kill off, but, I mean, you could... I mean, we could really just knock off Grace at this point. Nobody would really care. Or or Pete. Somebody like, oh, we weren't expecting them to die. And then I'd be like, ha-ha, yeah. But, oh, I mean, my God, that would have yeah, been... we got... That would have been awesome. I would have been and so then happy. they turned her into a candle. It was like, oh, how... We knew that one was coming. Come on, man. <laughs> Instead, we get the the use, the the loss of a beloved character. At least they yeah. reveal who Candle Vlogger's name is, but she doesn't even get a last name. She's just Jennifer. Maybe it's Jennifer Wick. Oh, terrible, terrible. Maybe. Have we gotten to the funeral yet? Or are we gonna still? Are we gonna talk about that later? Wait, which funeral? I'm, I'm confused. Candle Girl's funeral. Well. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. We'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah, the, the wake. The the memorial, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, no, no. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, What I thought was interesting is how much... Because I didn't know that this was a real... They based it, or they could have based it off, like, a real person. Or, like, based it off the rants of real people that love candles. But I love, like, the... I can't remember what they were, but I love the names that they gave the candles. Because they were so ridiculous. Because candle names are kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Went to go buy some candles this weekend. They really are ridiculous. They change them every season, and it's always something stupid. And they smell like, the same. Yeah, like autumn, le- you know, like autumn leave rain residue or something. Sparkling winter icicles, which I, I, I think it's like an actual like candle. It oh, sounds yeah. real. And what do icicles smell like? <laughs> Frozen water. Water. But apparently, like, there's like strength of wick. There's like swirling the wax that has a lot of details for a candle. So I think you're only just supposed to burn and smell, but okay. People actually do this and get paid. People are weird. 
I agree. So continuing Only on. In America. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> continuing on, we have Denise having a meeting with uh, the Chanel's, and basically she's like, "I haven't found anything. You know, I found nothing, and I need some money so that I can find stuff because I, you know, I can't be using my money to find stuff." So she wants a ten percent advance on the three million that she was offered. So basically three hundred thousand dollars. And they give it to her. They do. Chanel number one agrees and excuses herself because she's going to meet up with Chad Radwell in our brief little Chad scene for the night for their night of 1,000 compliments, where basically Chad sits across from Chanel and consistently compliments her. And he has to give, like, real compliments, not compliments about himself. And so Chanel starts heading downstairs, and Chanel number three, five, and six, and Denise all follow. Chanel starts complaining about there being an awful burning smell, and as they walk downstairs towards the dining room, that's where they see Jennifer's dead body sitting frozen stiff on the dinner table in a meditation pose. Her body is covered in melted wax, and she has a candle melting in her he- on her head and hands, and uh, multiple candles surround her and the girls and Denise scream in horror i know that you guys sort of briefly discussed it for a a moment as we talked about her killing but i wasn't it appropriate that she you know ended up dying looking like a candle i think it was more appropriate how she was framed because she would have liked that you know it like had she got to choose how she died like and how she was like shown that would have been the way the killer was nice to her right and that probably took fucking forever to like melt wax on her head to look like a little candle. Right. It reminded me of like, Boone's. It was probably Boone because when Boone died, like tons of candles. Oh, he's very theatrical. Because he's gay. <laughs> Can I just say that they missed the opportunity to put a like a small like tea candle in her mouth because it was open. Oh, right. Wouldn't that uh, have been amazing? They would have burned her mouth. So they were probably well, like, well, she's supposed to be dead. Yeah, but our actors is it? Not, they right? could CGI it. They just put a, a non-lit one, and then they CGI the flame. Oh, that would have been clever. All right. Yeah. yeah. More from the budget just to make the make the death look good, but it would have been worth it. Exactly. And uh, what do we think of Denise like seriously working for the Chanel's? Do we think that she's gonna find anything? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> You have no faith in, in, in Denise Wilson? Not at all. She's funny. No one said she was competent. She's funny. I wonder if Denise? she's going to take the, the money and just run. $300,000 is a lot of money. Makes me wonder what the fuck she's going to do with it. Like, if she's actually, like, going to do some detective work. Because what can she really, like, buy to help her? She she was convinced that Zadie was the killer, but I well, she lives in the house now, so she could probably get cameras and mics and all types of shit. Chanel, mm-hmm. yeah, she has could. That set up, remember? Oh yeah, that is true. What happened? Chanel has that set up already. Yeah, she has, Chanel. Like, eyes everywhere. Yeah, but Chanel's way too distracted to pay attention to anything. Yeah. Well, that's what I found really weird that she's like find out like any news or like information as to like whether Zayde is the killer, but. Bitch, look through your, like, videos. You probably have, like, information as to, like, how Zayde's the killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. Dude, she's a buggo. She saved Zayde from the killer. Yeah. Yeah, that's another thing. But she's so hell-bent on getting Zayde out that, that that's, that's why she's all it is, made herself right? believe that it's the killer. Or maybe she's hiding the fact that she is the killer. We don't know. There you go. 
So continuing on with the recap, basically we have Grace and Pete, and uh, they do some investigating work, or I should say he does some investigating work on this Doyle woman. Not Susan. No, that's Susan Sophie Boyle. Doyle. Anyway. Yeah, no, I was about to say Susan, Susan, Susan Doyle. Doyle, but it's Susan Boyle. Anywho, so we have uh, PT's uh, tried to find some information online, but there's no luck, and uh, Grace sort of gets pissed. She says, I know that she's my mom. I know it. It's in, it's in my tummy. I know that I'm the bathtub, baby. And, um, yeah, so uh, she's like, I, I, I used to speak to my mom when I was little. I felt her presence. And, uh, yeah, so this is where she says that she, she felt it was a kind spirit with a little sadness that kept her from moving on as if she had unfinished business. And you know what? I'm supposed to finish the business. I'm supposed to do this. This, that, or the other. Blah, blah, blah. And this is the reason why Grace came to Wallace and joined the Kappa, because she has to finish what her mom started. That totally proves what the dean said, that she's just doing exactly. This. Because she wants to be the bathtub baby and she wants to look for her mom. Like, that's all it was. She's like, I gotta finish where my mom started. So you gotta finish dancing to Waterfall? Exactly. Don't go chasing it. She, she's not done chasing. Not done chasing. She exactly. has to finish it for mother. So since they can't find any information on uh, the Doyle lady, they're going to look into the hag, the hag of Shady Lane, since that's that's the person that took care of the baby before disappearing altogether. And so they head back to the insane asylum because they sort of deduce that if she's stealing all this stuff, at some point she had to have been caught. And where'd crazy people go? The insane, the insane asylum. So at the asylum, they approach the woman, the woman who paints them all. I paint them all. And they ask if she remembers a girl from about 20 years ago who wailed a lot about a baby and maybe a baby was with her and this, that, or the other. And in like five seconds, the woman's like, oh, yeah, I remember that bitch. And like grabs two paintings. What the hell? Yeah. Does she, does she have like a, a, a file link system on, like, on all the people? Or like, what the hell? Like, she has photographic like, memory. I know. Apparently, or she has Maybe the ones that she thought was the most crazy. Maybe <laughs> her remembering everything drives her crazy. Maybe. So one of the paintings is of Gigi by herself. And then the other one, uh-oh, plot twist, is of Gigi holding two babies, fraternal twins, a boy and a girl. And Grace realizes that Gigi is the hag of Shady Lane. And, uh, yeah, and they run, they leave the asylum with the paintings. Oh, no. Yeah. So... Before before we pause, let's talk about the dean really quick. She basically makes an announcement to the press that um, after all the murders, she's going to be shutting down the entire campus, and there will also be a, a candle lit vigil and a moment of silence for Jennifer on the main quad under an oak tree. And a safe Chanel oak is, tree. Yes. <laughs> I was like, that's just going to go on fire at some point. I was just like, why does she have to say a safe oak tree? Like, are there dangerous oak trees over there? Yes, there's some vicious ones. Oh. And, uh, yeah, and so Chanel is watching via live stream, and she's pissed off because, you know, she won't be able to throw parties, you know, killer parties where people almost die or actually die. And uh, Chad is going to break up with her because she won't be the most popular girl in school because there will be no school. So, yeah, so let's chat about what's happened thus far. With uh, the hag and, and finding out all this information. They totally missed a chance to play Candle in the Wind. I'm just saying. 
when she when when they did the vigil, I'm like, and cue this, and then they did like burning flame instead, and I was like, God damn it! <laughs> Eternal flame, that, right? That 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 song. <laughs> in any case, I was like, it's apropos, but damn it, this sh- this should have been candle in the wind, but. It would have been mm. funny if the tree caught on fire. That would have been kind of funny. That would have been kind of funny. And they all start scattering the way. Yes. Like, how many uh, fucking candles were there? Like, a hundred candles and stuff? Like, shit. Right, plus the ones that they were all holding. It's probably a safe tree because it's a plastic tree or something. I, no, I thought it was like, put your wicks up. <laughs> yeah, raise tree. your wicks. Like, fucking, fucking losers. <laughs> That's no. too much. We know that Denise has three hundred thousand dollars. You know, hopefully she'll get an Arby's franchise with that. You know what I'm saying? And while that's going on, Chanel decides to call in for more backup. This time, detectives from Scotland Yard, even though they have no jurisdiction in the United States. But she says, you know, basically that she's not going to let that get in her way. That she needs to find out the truth about Grace and Zayde and uh, she's rich she can do whatever the hell she wants and uh, she uh, you know is basically willing to pay for it so while that's happening Grace confronts Gigi while she's holding a knife and that's uh, the smartest the thing to do Grace the stupidest thing to do oh my god just proving how much of a stupid bitch she is and she basically shows her all this quote-unquote evidence that she has against her and uh, Gigi flaunts her engagement ring and uh, basically we have Gigi sort of deflecting left and right she's like well that's not really proof you know that that, you know I mean it sort of looks like me but not really like I don't know what you're getting at oh like oh I understand what's going on like you're thinking that I'm going to take away your father and, you know, this, that, or the other and whatever, whatever, whatever. And, uh, you know, at some point they talk about mind blowing sex or, or like, you know, they talk about, no, no, that wasn't the mind blowing sex. That was the father said the mind blowing sex, right? Uh, yeah. 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 No, that was, that was later on. So basically, you know, she gets nothing from GGG, doesn't break a sweat or anything. Uh, she is calm, cool, and collected as Grace storms out and uh, later on is when uh, Grace heads to her father's house, Wes, and fills him in on what she's found out. But Gigi has already spoken to him, and uh, you know, she's trying to convince him, and this, that, or the other. Like, why are you engaged? And he was like, well, she went out to get, you know, some stuff from the mall, you know, some knick- knickknacks, and she came back with an engagement ring. And, you know, I didn't want to hurt her feelings, and so we're sort of engaged, this, that, or the other. And... Um, Basically, she sort of starts putting two in together, and uh, she ends up thinking that he might be in hashtag cahoots with Gigi. And so she basically tells him, you know, don't come near me, you know, leave me alone, this, that, or the other. So later on, the detectives from Scotland Yard actually end up finding some information that is noteworthy. Definitely Grace and Zadie are not the killers, but they did find some information on Grace's mother. And uh, once Chanel number one reads it, she's like, oh, well, then definitely Grace is the killer. So when Grace returns, she basically gives uh, Grace the file on her mother. And this is when we find out that Grace's mother is the Waterfalls girl from the 1995 flashback. And um, she ended up having a baby about nine months later because that night is when she met Wes who played himself in the flashback 
and uh, still look old, still looked old. <laughs> oh my god, that was yeah. creepy as fuck. I'm like, you, yeah. you're creepy as fuck as an adult. You're even more creepy when you're pervin on girls that are 15 years old. Holy shit. Well, at least 18. Yeah, well, they look super young. <laughs> yeah, they really did. And uh, so after all that happened, after she gave birth, uh, you know, there was all these shoplifting, drunk driving, meth possession charges before she died of drunk driving, uh, crashing into a tree, I believe, right? Yeah, she had... She she put like the baby on the roof. She put the baby in her lap. She yes. sold meth, Aww. and then she got. No wonder Grace is like that. She probably fell on her head a couple times. That's probably why she's so stupid. It's right. Got some meth fumes. Fell off the car. Yep. Exactly. So as Chanel is ridiculously happy delivering this news to Grace, Grace slaps the shit out of Chanel, and uh, you know. So yeah. So no. it was quite. Chanel mm-hmm. says, like, horrible things, but when she was saying that to Grace, I'm like, yo, you took that a step too far. You don't talk about someone's mom like that. Oh, my God. The bitch apple doesn't far from, fall far from the bitch tree, like, was funny, but that was, like, I was like, oh, Grace is going to slap the shit out of her, and I was right. Like, holy fuck. That was deserved. That was only redeeming moment. <laughs> yeah that's the only oh, time she hasn't been totally freaking boring she actually did something like, all right okay i don't know like this is the only time grace has ever like stood up to chanel and had it like actually been i don't know even because i think i said that like during like the first episode that when you had like the dialogue between Chanel and grace like it kind of felt chanel was taking over the entire like scene and that Grace wasn't good enough. And in this one, she finally, like, did something. She was finally catching my attention. Yep. It only took eight episodes, but... <laughs> but she finally got some character development. Exactly. Finally. It happens to the all the all to the best of them, I guess. But she just slapped and walked away. So that kind of just upset me a bit. I expected a little bit more. Like, you know, kind of get on her, like, doggy dog. But she's just on it. She's just on it. Can you imagine? Like, but that would take more personality from her. And we know she's got the personality of a cold pancake. So, like, no, like she had to. That's all she's gonna get. Like a really dramatic white girl slap. Yeah, slap, and then let me storm out. Yeah, we're not gonna get some knockout fights from her. We'll leave that to the dean. Exactly. Yeah, she had all the fight power this season. (laughs) So let's talk about the best Denise Hemphill scene to date denise not only has taken over the chanel number two's room you know moving into the kappa house but she has now taken over as house mom in a complete head-to-toe chanel makeover wearing chanel number five's clothes and including her thong which uh, we found out you know it feels like angels are flossing my butt crack Oh my god. And I think the best exchange was, you know, why are you wearing my clothes? And then she's like, but the real question is, why do you, why do your clothes fit a 40-year-old woman? Right. Like, wow. Damn, she oh, took it there. Poor oh, Chanel. Blood. Isn't that yeah, the one where it's where, where Chanel is just kind of like the the underwear is probably just happy that it's touching normal genitals now? Yes. <laughs> And then after that comment, uh, Denise has an issue with Chanel number one in regards to 
her interaction with um, Grace. And so they have a private one-on-one conversation in the bathroom. And basically, Denise is like, you know, you can't talk about people's mamas. That's too much. That's too far. You crossed the line. You have to apologize. And Chanel's like, I'm not going to apologize. And then Denise is like, well, if you don't apologize, I'm going to make Chad Radwell my man. And she basically goes on to fill her in on, he loves role-playing with me. And I, th- I oh, I thought we were going to get a flashback to one of their sessions, but we didn't in that conversation. But she's like, he loves role-playing with me, and I'm going to make him my boo, and I'm going to steal him from you, and he's going to be my man. And so that scares yeah. Chanel into apologizing. Uh, the, Chanel actually looked worried. Like, you know Chad has probably slept with like more than 50 women a day but like she was actually threatened by their new their new house mother which just goes to show how much of a badass Denise Hamfield is like I will steal you she's got that good good mm-hmm nah I thought that was G Denise handled that like a G but um cause she is <laughs> only problem was that was just like you're doing this for your own selfish reasons as well. Now that's becoming a pattern with a couple of the characters in this. Why would you? Only... Yeah, I think all of the characters are a little selfish, though, if you think about it. The Dean's motivations, Grace's motivations, Chanel's motivations, each of the Chanel's motivations, and now Denise as well. I mean, they're all kind of a little bit... Um... They're all in it for I think, themselves. I think, yeah. I think Zadie's the only one that's in it for everybody. Nuh-uh. They're not she like High School Musical. That she's, that, that she's doing it to get back at like all like the white, the bitches, rich, yeah, white bitches. So but yet she's still saving them. Well, it's not like High School Musical, where in High School Musical they were all in it together. You know what I'm saying? I think true her that, real revenge that. is like taking over, like 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 doing the Obama thing, which is just kind of like ruling them all, like being the OG in this, and she's she's doing it. Like little by little by being co president. Like I don't actually think that she's that 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 she's out to kill anyone or anything like that. Yeah. She can't be the killer. She's black. <laughs> fraternal twins. Fraternal. No, but there was a white girl in, they were both in the painting. White. She's black. You don't know who the dad is. But they dad weren't black in the painting. I think the lady knows black from white. She doesn't know Hispanic from white. Like, she drew fucking Pete as, like, a white boy. So, I think she got the Crayola box of crayons and just got white, black, and forgot the brown. No, Pete is white. She she doesn't get it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Pete isn't white. His last name's, like, Hernandez. I know what it is, but he's, like, gringo. He's, like, gringo-fied. So, he's white. Oh, gosh. Well, moving away to some other gringos, we have Chanel and Grace in the coffee shop. And basically, Chanel's trying to apologize. She's like, you know, my mom, you know, I have my own mama drama. You know, happy Oberlin, she's a monster. And basically, you know, she gives her all these stories about her childhood and her brothers and this, that, or the other. And how, you know, even for her high school graduation, she was not able to attend because she had a pimple and it would besmirch the family name. And uh, basically she ends up saying something like, you know what, maybe we were brought into each other's lives so that we can uh, balance you know, help each other, you know, balance each other out, you know, and uh, help each other out with our mother issues. And um, it ends on a positive note, although I loved Chanel's line when um, 
you know, the guy like looked over at her and she, I forget what she yelled at, but she like, stop looking at me. <laughs> or something. It was funny. Like, yeah, she's bad. She was like, yeah, I spit in that one. She was like, what are you staring at? Exactly. And then uh, we have a brief little conversation between Wes and Gigi. And basically the whole point of the conversation is Gigi sort of putting the, um, dropping the little seed into Wes's brain about committing grace so we'll see where that goes and as the episode ends we see the return of someone we know except uh they have a whole bunch of no (laughs) except they have a whole bunch of facial hair it is boone or well we'll get to this in a moment so basically he's grown a beard he's working out and um he decides to call someone who we don't know and basically to this person he says that we need to take Gigi out she's ruining their brand you know you know we um she she may think that she's the boss and all this kind of stuff but you know we can do it without her we need to get back to like finishing our plot basically is what he ends up saying and everyone there thinks he's walking phoenix for some strange reason phoenix talking to his agent on the phone because he looks nothing like Joaquin Phoenix, but apparently everyone else, all the millennials, think he is. And so he, they asked for his autograph, and the way he spelled it Joaquin was kind of... Phoenix with an F-E-N-I-S. I was like, shit. Nah, nobody can It was it. phonetically, and it was horrible. And this ends the episode. So, what did we think of the return of Boone, as well as him dropping little sort of tidbits about him and at least one other person being very unhappy with Gigi. I told you he was going to come back. I told you he was the killer. Like I I was just waiting for him to come back at some point. This wasn't very like surprising. And by the way, they are like referencing when Joaquin Phoenix, like a dirty hobo in between like movie scenes when he grew out his like hair. Yeah, no, well he actually did that for a reason. There was a whole movie about it. Yeah. I still think that's bullshit, and he probably like he still looked like a dirty hobo, like. Well, that is true too. <laughs> but I suspected him in the first place, and I kind of like have a suspicion as to like who he was talking to on the phone. But after that, Justice I do Scalia too. Debacle, we'll be talking about that in a moment. After that, Justice Scalia debacle, I'm like, he's like, I, she bought that like at a clearance bin at a bargain bin or something. I'm like, that like it's worth it. You guys should go like after Gigi. Oh, absolutely. Like a bargain bin, like really, we're killers. Well, did you like, see her fucking ring? Like, I'm just kind of like, it's oh, the Cracker Jack ring. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Like, pencil erasers are big in that shit. Did she get it at yeah. like a, out of like, a Cracker Jack box or something? What the fuck? That's I. I just was like, that's what you flashed. Like, you should have just kept that secret to yourself. <laughs> she got it at Ross. No, she did. Bargain bin. She got it from like a hobo around the corner or one of those little quarter machines. Yes. <laughs> oh man. So any any final thoughts on the return of Boone? No, that was we all knew We all know he was one of them, and uh, I'm just curious who he was talking to. That's pretty much who it boils down to. Like, yeah, the last few episodes, that's all I really care about. It's who was he talking to? Like, let's just go ahead and. So. That he Let, do we who, wanna... who, who Mandy was uh, referencing when she's like, I know my peas and carrots, and that was a boy. Like, yes. So the girl was a surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh... Well, that's the thing. So where was the girl initially? 
Well, babies don't come out at the same time. Twins, you know, there's always some time apart. So I'm going to have to assume that when they all leave at some point, you know, they're the the girl or someone had to have delivered the second baby. Yeah, well, that's Sophia. What I mean. and... Who delivered the second baby? Because maybe it was Gigi. Oh, since she was in possession of them. So I guess that's something we'll have to find out. So let's get into our campus superlatives. So what I want to know is who everyone thinks is the killer slash are the killers. And since we already know that Ryan Murphy said between three and four people, let's just say four uh, for uh, guessing purposes, will be surviving and will be continuing on to a proposed season two. Let's guess who survives uh, to uh, basically see another killer in season two. So I will go first. Okay. Okay. Um, I know in the past I've said Boone is a killer, Gigi, and I've said Earl Grey. Oh, it's no longer Earl Grey for me. And I know at one point, I think I said Chanel number five. And while I'm tempted to say Chanel number five, because I think they're trying to make it so obvious that she's killery, I think it's going to be, ready for it? Chanel number three. (gasps) Swenson? Yeah, no, same, same answer. I think the killers are... Gigi, obviously, Boone, and Chanel number three. Because in the beginning, I was like, okay, that's probably not Gigi in the third mask. So I was, so as the episode was progressing, I was like, well, which three could it be? And then I was like, well, maybe it is um, Boone, you know, uh, Chanel number three, and uh, maybe either Earl Grey or Pete. But now, since it's confirmed that that, you know, at the end it was confirmed that it was Gigi, I think Chanel number three is the choice that I think maybe makes sense a little bit. I agree. And the reasons why is because she's not emotional. Remember, she's uh, sort of robotic in her emotional feelings. She is uh, adopted or no, she Well, yeah, I mean, she, she's yeah, cause she adopted. thinks her father, she like her mom cheated on her father with supposedly well, that's the story. But that could be a lie as well and uh, I think she has the means to do it. When Sam recognizes her, I knew it was you. I think Sam was talking to her. I do too. Huh. And I don't know why it just makes more sense than Chanel number five. Because Chanel number five... They, they keep on like hinting at her, oh, she's trying to kill Chanel number one, and I think that's to throw us off. Her scent. Uh, you gotta look at like the subtle hints with Chanel number three, too. Like, Chanel number three is the leader of the Chanel's trying to kill Chanel. Chanel number three is also the same person that needed an alibuddy. 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 And this recently, why do you think she was the first one to approach Denise Humphrey to get to frame Zayday? She wants to keep all attention off of herself. Did you notice she touched her yeah. her her earmuffs while she did it? Like, yes, and I that, feel like she's communing with Boone through her. Like there's like she's wearing the head earpiece. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so yeah, if, so that's you know who she I touches. Think. The, she touches them a lot. 
in a few episodes. This isn't the first episode that she's done it. She like quite frequently like rubs on them when she's like in a group set and then she's talking or something. Yeah, I just think she's the most suspicious to me at this point. And as far as who survives, okay. Four. Four people. And I think they're all going to be young. I don't think, even if the adults do survive, I don't think they're going to continue on to the next one. So out of these characters, I think Zayday, of course. Whether you like her or not, Grace is going to survive. She has to. I mean, there's no way that she's going to be doing all this research and she's not going to survive. So she has to survive no matter what. And then two more. I still think Leah Michelle just because uh, she's uh, Ryan Murphy's darling Mm -hmm. and um, there's no way that he's basically just going to employ her for a season and then dump her, you know? (laughs) He's going to keep on giving her a paycheck. And then the fourth person. Part of me wants to say Chanel number one because it's Emma Roberts, but... This week, I'll say Chad Radwell. Oh, I'm hoping so. <laughs> I, yeah, because yeah. I don't see... I don't think Chanel number 5 will survive. I don't think, you know, superfluous characters like Earl Grey, you know, those are characters that are going to get off soon because they have to start focusing very soon on one of these main characters. You don't know We're going to have to have another maybe Chanel Ch- death soon. Maybe Chetney could survive. You don't know that. Libby Putney. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. Putney. Whatever. Yes. That's why she's <laughs> Libby named Chanel. Her name's not that important. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we'll see. But those are the four that I say. So let's see who will go next. Wilson. Um, Killers, obviously, uh, Boone and Gigi. The third, I hadn't really, I, I guess Chanel number three makes sense, but I really hadn't thought. Well, I, I couldn't quite put my finger on who I thought maybe it would be. I don't know. I, I like Chanel the number three makes sense as I'm listening to you guys talk about it, but I, I really hadn't pinned down the third one because I now now that we know that it's a, a female, I just didn't know who. So yeah, that that makes sense. Um, as far as who makes it, I was thinking Grace and Zayday. Um, I actually I was actually thinking Chad as well. For, some reason because we're starting to see less and less of him which means like he's gonna manage to, like somehow he's gonna manage to make it through because we're not seeing him as much uh you know in the episodes and then uh man it's kind of hard to say but um i don't know for some reason uh i see chanel making it but i see her getting chanel number one making it but i see her getting jacked up in the process like like, or like, like she's right there and somebody's getting bludgeoned and she barely makes it out or something like that. Like, but for some reason, I see Chanel number one making it out, but barely. Prince. Um. Well, we already know who I think the killers are. Um. As for survivors, I see it being whack ass punk ass Grace. Um, <laughs> yeah. Stay day. She's like automatic. Yeah. You called her stay day. Uh, stay day because that's my bitch and she better stay. Um, I honestly see whack-ass Pete surviving because he's Grace's love interest. So I kind of feel like he's going to survive, sadly. Hmm. And I see Chanel number one, IBC, because I think this was the turning point where it's like 
you kind of got an insight into Chanel and you kind of see, well, maybe she's not that bad. So maybe her and Grace is what's truly their turning point and they're going to help each other survive. Yeah. Hmm. All right now. Priscilla, last but not least. Okay. So for the killers, we already know the two, but we don't know whether the last one is the female baby or not. Like that hasn't been confirmed yet. We just know that there's a female and a male. So if they go really like like literal and like it has to be the boy and the girl, then I kind of agree with you guys that it's Chanel uh, number three. But um, if they don't go super like there and if the, that, the date with Zayde and the Oakland nachos thing still stands yes, true, Earl. then it's Earl. Well, can I say this? Because I forgot to mention that during during my moment to shine. I still think that it's the girl and chanel number three has already shown us let's be honest no she didn't know tendencies she was was bisexual or bicurious or whatever the hell she's gonna call it until after sam died no i thought sam sam died and then zayday got kidnapped i can't remember the order but regardless she still had feelings or whatnot who's to say that she didn't have secret feelings about Zayday at some point mm. I don't know that's that's where I was like sort of justifying that it could be her but continue on okay Priscilla. so I'm hoping it's Earl Grey but if they go like super well that obvious, would make it more interesting yeah, if they go super obvious it's Chanel number three as for who survives I think it's Chanel number one Grace no. and uh huh. I think the other ones are Zayday and Chad. But I, I would replace Zayde actually and hope that it's Denise Hemphill because I'm, I'm going to put all my hope in her. <laughs> As for, like, I just wanted to put an aside. Uh, when the girls in the first episode first look up into the house, they're all in an order and backwards is how they're dying with uh, Taylor Swift dying, then Sam dying, then... Uh, Jennifer, like they're all in order. So if the next one is knocked off, it's Hester. Interesting. So yeah. that's that's all I like. Someone like told me that, and I was like, <gasps> Oh my god, you're right. I hope it's Hester. What's the order after that? After, after Hester, Hester it's allegedly. And okay, well they're not yeah. gonna die. That would be fascinating if they do end up killing off Leah Michelle. I'd be like, Wow, that's bold of you. Ryan Murphy. No, I can see your star of Glee. Unless you know, unless they've already had discussions where she's like, I want to try other projects or that kind of thing. Yeah. Because I believe they are working on a Broadway play together. I can see that happening. So I guess we shall see. So it's time to get a little spoilery. Let's dive into some spoilers for upcoming episodes of Scream Queens. This is an official spoiler alert. You can check out our official Facebook like page by visiting facebook.com slash afraid. Spoiler alert. So I only have one little bit of information, and that is the ratings. Scream Queens was viewed by 2.5 million total viewers, with 0.9 in the key demographic of 18 to 49. It dipped a tenth. So what's interesting, though, is that Scream Queens actually has some really good DVR numbers. So uh, I'm sure Fox is going to be looking at everything in regards to whether it uh, picks it up for another season or not. I have a little bit. It's not spoilers, but it's just something interesting. That today, 
was the day that they finally uh, they did the final filming in New Orleans, and like I think like two or three cast members posted like pics on Instagram saying that. So there, there's not going to be very many spoilers coming out anytime soon. I think they locked this shit up. Yeah, I think so. So uh, for the listeners out there tuning in, there are four more weeks of Scream Queens left. Four more weeks of episodes. Five episodes left. So that means that um, besides the episode that we get this week on the 17th, there will be an episode on the 24th, on December 1st, and then on December 8th, there should be a two-hour season finale. So get ready for a whole bunch of answers a whole bunch of flashbacks and all that kind of stuff so uh, join us next time for a brand new installment of are you afraid scream queens you can visit poppychuloradio.com slash archives to download this episode and many more registered users will gain access to our archives of previously aired broadcasts please like us on facebook by going to facebook.com pcr are you afraid you can also like the station on facebook by going to facebook.com slash poppychuloradio you can email us with any questions suggestions comments or concerns at contact at poppychuloradio.com co-hosts my fellow Kappa Kappa Tau, Dicky Dollar Scholars, can you please wish the listeners a good night? Keep your candles good lit, Good night, y'all. guys. This is... Wow, good night, guys. <laughs> Waterfalls is my jam. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Join us every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for a brand new installment of Are You Afraid Scream Queens? Good night.